Y'all enjoy Archie's rendition of Oh Holy Night. You're welcome. Because I have to threaten him with bodily harm to get him to sing. You don't. You have no idea how hard it was to get him to do that. So uh, you're you're very you're very welcome. You can thank me later. If you want to tell him how good he did? That's fine. But you can thank me later. Take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke, the first chapter. I don't think this has ever. I know it hasn't. Has never happened to me in almost now 40 years of uh, ministry. Uh, I have been waiting for almost a year uh, to preach this message. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be that good. It just means I've been waiting a year to preach it. Uh, last Christmas, uh, I, I don't even know how I discovered it, uh, but uh, realized that there are four occasions uh, leading up to the birth of Christ uh, where God dispatched an angel uh, to talk with different people uh, about uh, the event. Um, he sent an angel, we're going to look at the passage today, uh, where he sent an angel, uh, sent Gabriel to be specific, uh, to talk to Zacharias uh, about uh, the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, he sent an angel uh, to tell Mary uh, what, um, what was happening. Uh, he sent an angel to talk to Joseph. And then finally on the night uh, of his birth, we have the whole Hark the Herald Angels Sing story. Uh, and so over these next four weeks, we're going to look uh, at the message uh, from each uh, of those appearances. Uh, and I think uh, that uh, you will be encouraged and uplifted uh, by that. Uh, again, obviously, it was um, the greatest message uh, that had ever been delivered uh, and uh, was an extremely important uh, message that was being shared. And so uh, I think there is meaning beyond uh, the original uh, audience. And uh, I hope this morning, if you have your Bible, if you don't, uh, if you take out your phone, I won't, uh, uh, I won't scour at you. I don't care. Uh, if you take out your phone and follow along there uh, so that you can see, we're going to look at a fairly long uh, passage, uh, about 20 verses actually, longer than uh, normal. Uh, to see this story, uh, and, I, and so I want you to uh, follow along. And uh, for those of you who uh, may, when I say take out your phone if you want to, uh, let me suggest to you uh, that um, in your uh, app store, whether you're on, and again, I don't get any commission, uh, if you're on iPhone or Android, either one, uh, there is a number of Bible programs uh, one of them is called Uversion, Y-O-U, Uversion. Uh, it is uh, free, uh, great, uh, great uh, uh, Bible app, uh, very simple to use, um, has a lot of features that you 
can use. Uh, but if you just want to read your Bible, uh, and maybe you are somewhere where you can't take the Bible and you get uh, caught somewhere and you want to read, uh, it is there. Uh, there is another one. Uh, I don't think you find this on an app, I don't believe. Uh, you can look, but if not, it's a website. It's called the Blue Letter Bible. Um, and that one actually has some commentaries and things, some very simple uh, study material uh, that uh, you can use. Um, and um, I said I, I would encourage you, uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, uh, to do that because uh, if you're like me, I do find myself occasionally um, sitting in a doctor's office or uh, somewhere and um, ordinarily I would be, you know, twiddling my thumbs um, and have that access. So um, I encourage you uh, to do that. If not, open your Bible and follow along. Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse uh, 5, we begin to see uh, again this story uh, of uh, the announcement uh, of uh, the coming uh, of John the Baptist. John the Baptist uh, was the forerunner uh, to Jesus Christ. And again, God dispatches uh, Gabriel uh, to tell his father uh, that, uh, that he was going uh, to be born. And you may say, well, uh, so what's the big deal? Uh, if you don't know the story, uh, we don't know exactly, uh, but we do know that uh, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth uh, would have been unable uh, to conceive up until this point, and now they are old enough uh, that uh, Zacharias, you'll see in a moment, uh, when the angel tells him uh, that they're going to have a child, uh, Zacharias finds that comical. Uh, he, he, he's old enough at this point uh, that he finds that extremely uh, unlikely uh, and actually doubts and questions uh, the angel. Uh, might be the only time that's ever happened. I can only, uh, in my mind, I have this picture of uh, Gabriel uh, announcing and telling Zacharias, uh, you're going to have a child, and Zacharias said, do what? That ain't happening. And, and Gabriel going, wait a minute, anybody ever questioned me before? Uh, you know, nobody's ever, nobody's ever, ever doubted me before. I'm an angel. Uh, nobody's ever said that to me before. They've always just said, okay. Uh, but Zacharias was uh, so, uh, so stunned by this and at a point in his life uh, where he questions the angel of God uh, if this was really uh, true, uh, how this could possibly uh, happen. Uh, if, you, if you read this, actually, uh, for Zacharias, uh, he, seems, he, he is more uh, shocked by the news that he is going to have a child than Mary was, and Mary was a virgin. Uh, he is stunned uh, when he hears uh, this news. And so that really brings us uh, to the first element uh, of this story. Beginning in uh, verse 5, we have uh, what we see is uh, an unlikely couple. Uh, this is extremely unlikely, unusual uh, couple uh, that God chooses uh, to be the parents of John. 
look with me there in verse 5. Uh, it says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were, well, were now well stricken uh, in years. Zechariah uh, is just an ordinary uh, country priest. Uh, he is uh, just an ordinary, nothing, uh, nothing stands out that uh, he is, uh, he's not the chief priest, nothing about, uh, about him stands out as being uh, exceptional. Uh, he's just one uh, of uh, about 5,000 priests, actually, uh, who lived uh, in Palestine at the time, one of about depending on uh, who you listen to, somewhere between uh, 24 and 36,000 total uh, priests uh, that uh, in total. Uh, so he's just a face in the crowd. Uh, he, he is uh, just uh, an ordinary, again, uh, priest. The priest, uh, that large number, was divided uh, into what they call courses or, uh, or groups or teams, if you want to. Uh, and they would divide them up. Uh, and that system had been started uh, about a thousand years before uh, by David. Uh, and then it had been uh, reinstituted uh, when the Israelites came back uh, from their Babylonian captivity. And each one, the Bible tells us, if you look uh, again there in those verses, that Zechariah was in uh, the course of Abiah. Uh, and each one of the courses had uh, about 300 or so uh, priests in it. And Abiah was what was known as uh, the eighth, pre eighth course, if I can get it out of my mouth, of Ahijah. Uh, and, and so again, he didn't. There's nothing, what, I, what I'm getting at is, I mean, he was a priest, but uh, he, he was just a, uh, an ordinary guy. Uh, and these priests, the way these divisions or, uh, again, courses is what they were called, were, was each one of those groups would serve uh, for two one-week periods each year uh, inside of the temple. And, uh, and so they would rotate through. Uh, again, about 300 in his group uh, would serve uh, twice uh, a year. And so of that 300, only a small portion uh, would actually uh, be involved um, in serving. They would cast lots, and 56 would be chosen uh, each day to actually um, you know, in, the, you know, in the Baptist church, we have what we call active deacons and inactive deacons. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the idea here. You know? Each day they would cast lots, uh, and they would choose 56 uh, to actually uh, serve that day. And so your chances of actually serving were uh, fairly, fairly small. Um, but uh, that was the way that worked. Now, uh, Zechariah, his name, uh, is a very common name, actually, 
uh, in that time. Uh, and the name means, it's, it's, uh, it's odd how, uh, it's fun to study, uh, not odd, actually it's fun to study, uh, how the names of people in the Bible worked out. Uh, here we have a man who is, uh, the Bible says, his wife is barren, and even on top of that, they are both very old. Uh, and, but Zechariah's name actually means the Lord has remembered. What a lesson for us this morning as we start through this passage. Uh, but there are some of you uh, here this morning, some of you uh, here online, who are uh, dealing with things in your life uh, even now that, like Zechariah, uh, have been going on for a while. They've been troubling you. And you have to understand, uh, it has never been easy. Uh, I think most of you uh, are fully aware of this. It's never been easy uh, for a couple uh, who are unable, if they desire, uh, to have a child. That, that's not something easy for them uh, to deal with. It was a million times worse uh, in biblical days. Uh, they looked at it as if um, basically you were cursed. Uh, that, that what have you done? Uh, what have you done wrong? What have you done to anger God? Uh, and, and it was a it was a uh, it, it was a uh, a mark against you in the community. Uh, and so it was a very uh, devastating thing. But Zachariah's name is the Lord has remembered. Zechariah, Elizabeth, you may be miserable. You may think that nobody's paying attention and no one cares. But God has remembered. This morning, uh, as we start through this story, uh, I would say to you, whatever it is uh, that you're dealing with, uh, it, it may be the exact same situation as, uh, as Zechariah and Elizabeth. <coughs> you may have a, uh, a child. Uh, that is wayward. You may have a job issue, whatever. I want you to understand here that when we think no one else is aware and no one else is paying attention, I would give a nickel if I had, uh, for every time I've had someone say to me, no one knows, no one understands what I'm going through. Uh, now, I don't know who you're including in no one. Nobody on earth may understand. Zechariah, God, has not forgotten. God understands and He sees where you are. Elizabeth, she again was um, not nothing particularly uh, special. Elizabeth, the Bible teaches us here, was actually a descendant uh, of Aaron. So she was uh, from a priestly uh, line herself. Her name, uh, again interesting, uh, her name pointed toward the promise-keeping of God. So we've got two people here whose name means the Lord remembers and God keeps His promise. Zacharias and Elizabeth, the Bible says, if you continue, if you walk with me through these verses, if you look in verse 6, the Bible says of Zacharias and Elizabeth that both of them uh, were righteous, uh, upright uh, in the sight uh, of God. They were righteous uh, before God. They were Beautiful people uh, in the eyes uh, of God. God looked at them and recognized them and saw them uh, for whom 
they are and what they did. Doesn't mean they were perfect. Doesn't mean they were blameless. But it means that they did everything in their power to conform and to live by the law uh, of God. Uh, the Bible tells us there uh, in verse 6 uh, that they were upright in the eyes of God. But look what it goes on in verse 6 and says. Uh, it says that they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were doing everything in their power uh, to live for God. And I'm sure that they had a happy home, uh, that they were uh, content, uh, that Zechariah was uh, happy in what he was doing, serving as uh, a priest. Uh, but one thing uh, that haunted them both uh, was that until this point, uh, they had been unable uh, to have uh, a child. And again, we're talking about a culture uh, that uh, looked at, uh, again, uh, infertility as the inability uh, to have a child as a disgrace, even, uh, again, as a punishment. You remember uh, when Job's friends came to him and, and, and looked at him and said, what have you done? What have you done to anger God, to have this uh, happen to you? Uh, well, that was the, the same thing with <coughs> being unable to reproduce. They looked at it uh, as being a curse. And so uh, Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah are, are two who at this point seem very unlikely to be getting such a message. She's barren and they are both very old. Not only are they an unlikely couple, uh, but then there is uh, an unexpected conversation. Again, Zechariah uh, was a priest. Look with me in verse 8. It says, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office uh, before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Told you a moment ago uh, about the priests. They were divided up into courses. There were, again, 24 uh, of those courses or divisions of the priests in Israel uh, at that time. Way more priests than were actually needed to perform the priestly uh, duties. And so, again, each year they would take turns and serve two weeks during the year uh, that they would take uh, take job. And of that, uh, only one of the priests had the opportunity to actually uh, go in and burn incense uh, at the altar to burn incense uh, in the tabernacle. And this was an extremely uh, important job uh, to be assigned because it represented uh, the, uh, the prayers of the people uh, going up uh, before God. And, and so it was an extremely uh, important 
task. And uh, as this passage says, the people were outside while this was taking place. As uh, they burned the incense and the prayers went up, uh, the people would gather uh, to see their prayers uh, going up into uh, the heavens. And what the, what the law said, the missioner would say, uh, was that every day they would cast uh, four sets of uh, lots to determine who would actually have that job. And so uh, on this day, uh, the job comes, uh, the lots fall uh, towards Zechariah. Now, let me veer off and, and get off on a side road here just a moment, lest you get uh, in a twist. It was perfectly acceptable in that time uh, that they cast lots uh, in various situations. Uh, we think of, uh, of rolling dice today as gambling, and, uh, and we would, you know, if we would, if we were to come here today and, and say we're going to uh, choose our next pastor, somebody get the dice. Uh, you know, uh, that would probably cause a little bit of turmoil in most Baptist churches. Uh, but in their day, it was fully acceptable because they, what their belief was, uh, and, and we see that not just a, a superstition, but it, it plays out, was that God was in control of the lots. And we see that in numerous occasions, this being one of them. And so it was their way uh, of finding and discovering uh, the will uh, of God. And on that day, uh, the will of God uh, dictated that Zechariah uh, was chosen to go into the tabernacle and burn the incense. Now, uh, I don't know, again, if you're like me. Uh, my grandmother, not the one that you, you knew, uh, but my other grandmother uh, used to occasionally, I can still uh, see it in my eye, uh, when you walked in her back door, she had this uh, plant, uh, I don't see anything like it, uh, this, I think it was fake, uh, but there was a stand and a, a pot and a plant in it. And she was bad, they looked like golf tees to me, is what I always thought they looked like. She was bad to stick little things of incense, is what they were called, and light them and, and burn them and to, to supposedly make things smell better. I hate it with passion. Yeah. Rhonda still doesn't believe me. I can smell when she lights a candle. Yeah. It kills my sinuses. I hate pretty much anything that produces smoke. It, you know, it, it just, I can't stand it. And so when I think of, hey, he was chosen to burn it. You know, if they said to me, Jimmy, today's your day. You've been chosen to burn the incense. I go, oh, man. You know, can you say, you want to do it? Hey, all right, come here. You want, here's the matches. You want to do it? Yeah. I'd have been trying to pass that job off to anybody and everybody. Yeah. I'd have found me somebody to give that job to. But burning of the incense for them, you know, thank God I'm not, I wasn't a priest in the Old Testament because y'all's prayers wouldn't have never got off the ground, is all I can tell you. Yeah. But for them, being the priest who was chosen to burn the incense was pretty much the top of the ladder. That was the, the peak of your career. I mean, that was a, a high point of your life. I, I, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, you know, when Zachariah went home this evening, 
He didn't know which one to tell. Well, that money couldn't talk. We'll get there in a minute. Yeah, but he was struggling. Yeah, which story do I tell first? Do I tell that I got to burn, finally got to burn the incense today, or do I tell I got visited by an angel? That's how important being chosen to burn the incense was. It was a very high honor. Again, it was something that many priests, again, uh, as they divided, many priests never got to do it in their lifetime. It, you know, it was something that uh, was uh, very uh, rare. And if you were ever chosen to be the person burning the incense, you only got to do it once in your lifetime. So from that point on, this was, I mean, this was a momentous occasion to be chosen to burn the incense. And so Zechariah goes in, and while he is in the moment, in the highest uh, apex of his career, the Bible tells us then, if you follow along, you keep looking. My pages are sticking together. I love this Bible except for this popcorn. There we go. Um, as he goes in, he goes in to burn the incense. The Bible tells us that everybody, the whole multitude of the people in verse 10, are gathered outside, and there appeared to him an angel standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So here Zachariah is at the... You know, He's grinning from ear to ear like a possum eating briars. I mean, this is the best day of his life. And he looks up, and there stands an angel. You know, I, I don't, the Bible doesn't give us this detail. I'm going to insert this one out of my free will because it's my turn to preach. I'm pretty sure Zachariah went. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he, he was thinking, man, I've been smelling too much incense. Yeah, something. Yeah, he was shocked out of his mind. Yeah, and the angel looks at him and says to him, Zechariah says he was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. You reckon? You think? Here I am going in by myself and to offer an offering, and here is an angel. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what form the angel took. You know, uh, we have all kinds of ideas in our mind about what angels look like, and there's a couple various descriptions in the Bible. I don't think it matters. I don't know about you. Any other, anybody in here been in a room where you thought you were by yourself? And you had to turn around and there stood somebody? It'll, it'll get your attention, won't it? Imagine if it was an angel. Zacharias troubled it says, by what he sees. And the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. Can I tell you something that the Bible doesn't say? But I think if you think about it, you'll agree with me. 
Zachariah had long ago stopped praying for a child with any real conviction. Would you agree with that? That that's probably the case? That many years ago, he was probably still praying. There probably wasn't a lot of conviction and a lot of faith in his prayer. If anything, I think it's safe to say that many of Zachariah's prayers at this point were prayed just so when Elizabeth asked him, are you still praying for a child, he could say yes. He wasn't praying with a whole lot of confidence and conviction. He didn't, I'm not saying he, he, he never did, but I'm saying by now, I don't think Zachariah really believed this prayer was ever going to be answered. And maybe, just maybe, and I, 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 I hesitate to put words where Scripture doesn't speak. I'm just trying to think a little bit. Will you, will you give me that liberty this morning? That maybe, just maybe, at this point, Zachariah maybe doesn't even want a baby. His wife's age, he doesn't want her to have to go through carrying a child and the agony and the, 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 the events of labor. Some of you in here, you know, I, I, I heard a comedian say one time, man, if you, if, you, if you really want to know what it's like to have a child, grab your lower lip and pull it up over the back of your head and you'll have some idea of the pain You've got to think, Zachariah not only didn't really think it was going to happen, maybe at this point, maybe at this point he's thinking, I'm too old to be ready for child. You've got to know his prayer didn't have quite the oomph that it one time had. Would you, would you agree with me on that? Is that safe? Do you think that's safe to say? This is yes, this is no. Would you agree with me that he probably didn't have quite the fervency in his prayer for a child he one time did. Even a righteous man, as Zechariah has described, can pray with no real sense of faith and hope. The angel says, don't be afraid. Does these words to Zechariah sound familiar? Do not be afraid. Do they sound familiar at all? We're going to see another angel next week speaking to Mary. And you know what the angel says to Mary? Don't be afraid. Zechariah, don't be afraid of what's happening. Don't be afraid 
of what's going on that uh, is happening. So we have a, an unlikely conversation. Then we have an unbelievable commitment. Look in verse 14. And thou shall have. See, here's the difference in man's thinking and God's thinking. We hope so, think so, want to be. Thou shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Do you think all those shalls point back to what I just said about maybe, just maybe, Zechariah wasn't as convinced as he used to be when he was praying? The angel repeatedly says, shall. Many of the children of Israel, shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Look at the things, and I don't have time to touch them all, honestly. I'm going to hit a couple of them. Go home and read this and make a list, if you will, of all the things the angel just said. The angel said, first of all, promised Zechariah that he personally would have joy and gladness. Why would that be so, again, why would that be so important? Because, again, I've just got to think that Zechariah had arrived at a point in his life where he was thinking, you know, I don't know if I want to be woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning to change a diaper. I'm too old for that mess. You know, I'm too old for this. I can go out in the yard and play ball with that baby. You know. And the angel says, I want you to know, first of all, you're going to have a baby and you're going to love it. It's going to be great. You're going to have joy. You're going to have gladness. But not just you, people everywhere. Many will rejoice because of your son. Many will rejoice because of this child. Now, notice what he says. Many will rejoice. Not all will rejoice. Some are not going to like you. In fact, we know one in particular who didn't like you, who ended up having him beheaded. Many will like him, but not all will like him. The angel, he says, the world, the angels, he says, they're going to rejoice. He says, many will rejoice at the birth of your son, John, or John the Baptist, as we know him. Listen, I want you to understand something else as we walk through this story. And this is, this is a, a, an odd sermon for me because I don't know that there's one point. There's a lot of little things that jump off the page. I want you to understand something as you read this. God can use one life. God can use one life. Your son John, many will be blessed because of him. You may feel unimportant. You may feel insignificant. You may think you don't matter, but you can. You do matter to somebody. You are important. You know why I know you're important? Because God loved you enough to send His Son to die for you. Many will be changed. Many will be touched. Blessings will flow and be reproduced 
by your son. He will be a joy and a delight to you, it says in verse 14. The personal delight, the public delight. He's going to be a joy, and you're going to enjoy sitting on your front porch, watching your son, hearing the story of your son being out, preaching the, uh, the gospel to the weary and the downtrodden. You're going to enjoy hearing. It's going to be a pleasure to you to know what you're going to do. This man, this John, this son of yours, he's going to have an amazing heart. Jesus said of this same child, He said, I tell you a truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John. That's the son you're going to have, Zachariah. What a commitment. This angel, you know, think about that. All of us, when you, let's be honest, when, when you're going to have a child, all of us somewhere back in our back of our mind have that one little spot that worries, what if this rascal is mean as a snake? You know? What they won't listen to? Yes. You know, John was going into this thing, or Zechariah was going into this thing, Elizabeth was going into this thing with the promise that your son, your son is going to be a blessing to everybody. Think about that statement. No one born of woman. Not Abraham. Not Paul. Not Joseph. Not Daniel. No one, Jesus says, is greater than this man. Gabriel goes on to continue looking. He says, look at your son. He's going to be spiritually developed. He's going to grow spiritually. He's never going to participate. He's never going to take in wine or fermented drink. He was saying that John was going to be a Nazarite. He'd be set apart. He would be designated and different from the day of his birth. He's going to be prepared and set aside to be of special service to God. Never going to take strong drink. Never going to cut his hair. Never going to touch a dead body. All those commitments, he's going to be set aside. He's going to have a testimony in the world. And then it says uh, at the end of verse 15, and he will be filled with the Spirit. How many of you as parents would have rested much easier if while you were pregnant or trying to become pregnant, if Gabriel would have come along and gave you that kind of promise about your child. Yeah. How much difference would that make? John, it says, wouldn't be, it would be completely different. He is going to be filled by the Spirit. He's going to be, again, a Nazareth. As Joseph um, Fitzmaier uh, says that the grammar here points out uh, that all the way back to while he was even still in the womb, John was special. John had already been designated. He had already been set aside. He was already special. Luke 1 verse 16 says, And many of the children of Israel uh, shall he turn to the Lord their God. He's going to have an impact. Then there's an undeniable conclusion. Look at verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? Prove it, is what he says. Let me, let me take that out of the King James for you and put it in, in, in Jimmy language anyway. Prove it. I'm an old man. My wife is well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. 
That's that picture I shared a while ago of Gabriel tells Zechariah of everything that's going to have going to happen, and Zechariah looks at him and says, "Please." And Gabriel's stunned. Nobody questions Gabriel. Nobody challenges Gabriel. And Gabriel says, "Man, I'm Gabriel." I know it's true. Because I said so. Yeah. Anybody's parents ever, ever use that one? Because I said so? Yeah. Gabriel looks at Zachariah and says, Because I said so. That's how you know. Look how old you are. Look at what's wrong with your wife. I'm Gabriel. You better pay attention. What does the teenager say? You better recognize. You know, <laughs> Gabriel is stunned. That's Zachariah's response. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. What do you mean, how do you know? God sent me. Now I know. I'm with you, man. And I am sent to speak unto thee. That's how I know. Show you glad times. And because you doubt, because you ask that silly question, you shall be dumb or not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words. There's a consequence for doubt. Which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. <laughs> Zechariah looks at Gabriel and says, How will I, I know? You mean how will you know? Just pay attention. It will become obvious to you, Zechariah. How will I know it? Just keep an eye on your wife's bed. I think you'll figure it out. How will I know? His reaction, and let's be honest, I'm kind of joking about Zechariah a little bit. Let me tell you something. Most of us, if not all of us, have we been in that temple burning incense and we would have been Zachariah's age and our wife would have been, Zach, uh, been Elizabeth's age and the angel would have came up. And first of all, when the angel appeared, most of us would have passed out and wouldn't even heard what he said anyway. But if we would have stayed awake and heard what he had to say and we'd have heard that our age and our condition, we're going to have a baby, most of us would have been just like Zachariah and we said, you're kidding, right? Every one of us would have come out of that temple unable to speak because every one of us would have questioned that angel. Let me tell you something. I 
was a much younger man. And I was breezing up 85 one day, and I can't just tell you how long ago. How many of you remember back when cell phones came in a suitcase? You, had to, you, know, you didn't have any little thing you dropped in your pockets. You towed it around. You, know, you walked, so it gave you back trouble toting the thing. I'm breezing up 85, and I'm just going to say I probably wasn't doing the speed limit. And my phone rang, and I knew Rhonda was pregnant, but the next words out of her mouth, that caused me to careen over the bridge into whatever I was near. It's twins. Can you imagine being in that temple, minding your business, burning the incense, the high point of your life, and an angel pops in and says, oh, by the way, you're going to have a child. This is too good to be true. Something like Thomas. You remember what Thomas said? The other disciple says, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas said, except I see his hand in the print of the nails. And I put my finger into the print of the nails, and I thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Zachariah is not recorded that he said it, but I think somewhere in Zachariah's mind, he was thinking, until I'm changing diapers and putting in pacifiers, I ain't going to believe it. Even if I see Elizabeth starting getting big, I'm just going to think she's eating too much. Until I hear, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I don't believe it. Think about this. this. This whole story. You and Elizabeth, you're going to have a son. Zachariah argues with him and says he's an old man. Gabriel says, those of you who have been in the military, something like this. You see these stripes on my arm? You know who I am? God sent me. And I just went through the story because I want to get to this point. I want to ask you this question. If an angel, on your way home today, if an angel showed up in the passenger seat and said to you, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. What would that mean to you? What would that mean to you? What is it in your life that, like Zachariah, you have been praying for for so long that you have arrived at the point where you're not really praying with a lot of confidence anymore. What is it that used to you prayed every day with fervency, maybe several times a day, that has come to the point in your life where maybe every other day or once a week it pops into your mind? What is 
And I, I'm not a name and claim it preacher. Y'all know that by now. But what is the too good to be true prayer? What is the too good to be true news in your life? That if God said today, your prayer has been heard. You may have given you may not even be praying for it at all anymore. You may have long since given up. You may have long since walked away. You think you're too old to start something new. You're too old to get involved in that. Remember that people in their 90s have written award-winning plays and movies and won awards. Sometimes we get tired of waiting on God. Sometimes we get tired. We're like Abraham. We decide to take things into our own hands and just do it ourselves. When he was old and Sarah was old, he waited what he thought was long enough. And he decided, well, I'll just take care of this myself. And he finally decided to help matters along. You know the story. And so he goes and has a son by Hagar, Sarah's maid. We've all been guilty of something like that at some point in time. It was apparent when Zechariah came out of the temple that something had changed. For one thing, the Bible says he was in there longer than they expected. When he came out, he couldn't speak. He had to make motions to him. A real experience with God is something that changes us and makes a difference. Zachariah couldn't tell what God had done because he was mute. Something had happened to Zachariah. This morning, as our musicians come, I want to give you an opportunity. Some of you today, somebody in this room, I believe with all my heart, because I'm not exaggerating in the least. This message has been a year in coming. Literally last year during the Christmas season. And I believe with all my heart that my sovereign God, my all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God, knew a year ago when he put this idea, put this thought into my heart, exactly who would be sitting here this morning. See, if I would have had, let me just think, if I would have had my plan carried out, I would have preached this message last Sunday. But then I had COVID. I was out two weeks. I had one little message left out of the end of 1 John, and I just prayed about it. Okay, I was going to skip it. I was just going to leave that off altogether and just drop it and go ahead 
and preached this message last Sunday, and God just wouldn't let me. He said, I wrote it, you preach it. He said, just preach it through 1 John, preach it, preach, finish it. And so, so that put me here today, talking about Zechariah and John, so you would be here. So you would be joining us online. What is it? What is your too good to be true prayer? I think about a couple of children when I first came here. Through every service we had, were on the altar praying for one of their parents. Every every service, praying for salvation. And it went on for quite some time. And finally, one day, their parent beat them to the altar, asking Jesus into his heart. What is it that you've prayed about, prayed about, and prayed about? And God is stirring that memory. Maybe it's a wandering child. Maybe it's a sick relative. Maybe it's a job situation. But you need to fall back on your face before God and say, God, would you hear me? Maybe it is a loved one that needs to be saved. What is it? What is it? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, for this awesome story of John, Zachariah, and Elizabeth, the forerunner, the one who will eventually say, Behold, the Lamb of God comes to take away the sin of the world. God, there are men and women here this morning, there are those joining us online, who have lost hope. Who need you to stir up in them faith and confidence and belief. God, that you are still on the throne and you still hear prayers. God, would you touch hearts this morning? There's one here today that doesn't know Christ. God, would you, would you convict them and speak to them that they'd come to know him today? We will give you honor and glory for all that you did, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand.
Thank you. 